Chapter 15 of The Goddess a Demon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jean Clare. The Goddess a Demon by Richard Marsh. Chapter 15 The Letter. But it was not Simon's, it was a messenger boy, an impertinent young rascal. Mr. John Ferguson? I thought everyone was out. I've been knocking for the last ten minutes. Have you indeed? I trust the delay has caused you no serious inconvenience. Yes, I am Mr. John Ferguson. No answer. He thrust an envelope into my hand and, turning on his heel, was about to march away. I caught him by the shoulder. Pardon me, one second. From whom does this communication come? I say there's no answer. He wriggled in my grasp. I hear you, still. If you could manage to wait for a moment, I think it might be worth your while. Let me beg of you to enter. Drawing him into the room, I shut the door. He surveyed me with indignation. My orders are that when there's no answer, I'm not to wait. Good boy. Always obey orders. The address on the envelope was typewritten, as were the sentences on the sheet of paper it contained. Because Edwin Lawrence is dead, don't suppose that the 1,880 pounds are paid. You have not hit on a new way to pay old debts. A knife in the back is not a quittance. You are wrong if you suppose it is. Have the money ready. Hard cash, notes and gold. All gold preferred. No check. Edwin Lawrence has left an heir, to whom all that he had belongs, your debt among the rest. Be prepared to pay when asked. If the request has to be made a second time, it will come in a different form. The Goddess. That was what the envelope contained an anonymous letter. Who sent this? I don't know. I haven't read it. Possibly not, and yet you might know who is the sender. I don't see how. I had just been on an errand right over to Finchley. As soon as I came in, that was given to me. All I was told was that there was no answer. The messenger spoke in a tone of resentment, as if suffering from a grievance. He was a small youth with crisp black hair and sharp black eyes, combativeness writ large all over him. You didn't see who brought this to the office? I did not. Where do you come from? Victoria. What's your name? George Smith, though I don't see what that's got to do with you. Then that only shows that your range of vision is limited. Because, Mr. George Smith, although there's no answer to this little communication, you're likely to hear of it again. Good day. The young gentleman withdrew with something like a sniff of scorn. I read the letter through again. As Hume stood watching me, his curiosity got the upper hand. What is it? I was wondering if I should tell you. I don't see why not. I handed him the sheet of paper. He scanned it with eager eyes. What do you make of it? It is for me, rather, to put that question to you. I'll tell you one thing I make of it, that the typewriter, from the anonymous letter writer's point of view, is an excellent invention. In the case of a written letter, one can occasionally guess what kind of person it is from when it comes, but when it's typewritten, the Lord alone can tell. The goddess. Does the signature convey no meaning to your mind? Think. I'm thinking. The goddess? I certainly don't know anyone who's entitled to write herself down like that. Let me look at the thing again. He returned me the sheet of paper. This seems to suggest that someone else is disposed to take a hand in the game. Some person at present unknown. But who knows that you owed Lawrence 1,880 pounds? And who knows how much besides? Just so, I wonder. 
Hume eyed me as if he were endeavoring to decipher on my face the key to a riddle. If someone applies to you for the money, what shall you do? Hang him or her straight off. That is, I should hand the gentleman or lady over to Simons with that end in view. Don't you see what such an application would imply? Lawrence was murdered within an hour or two of our playing that game of cards. How comes anyone to know what was the amount he claimed to have won? No one saw him between the finish of the game and his death, except the man who murdered him. Miss Moore saw him, and you. Are you suggesting that Miss Moore wrote this letter, or I? I see your point. You infer that whoever did write it killed Lawrence, because it discloses knowledge which could only be in possession of his murderer. There is something in the inference. But if the thing is so plain, isn't it an act of rashness to have written you at all? Rashness which is almost inconceivable? De la douce. You know the wise man's aphorism. I don't say the thing is plain. On the contrary, I believe it's more obscure than you think. Granting that whoever wrote the letter killed Lawrence, and I fancy you'll find that is the case, the question is who wrote it. It's signed the goddess. I believe the goddess was the writer. Query, who's the goddess? There's the puzzle. Are you intentionally speaking in cryptograms? May I ask what you mean? I'm not quite sure that I know myself. I don't go so far as to say that there is anything supernatural about the business, but it's uncommonly queer. Supernatural? You had better make that suggestion to the police. The English law does not recognize the supernatural in crime. Possibly not. You say it was a man? Simons thinks it was a woman? I believe both of you are wrong, that Lawrence was killed neither by a man nor a woman. Who or what is the goddess? Find that out. You'll have found the criminal. His lips curled in an ironic smile. I really wonder if you think that you can successfully play a game of bluff with me. I laughed. The man was so full of Burgess that he could not resist an opportunity of squirting a drop or two in my direction. His intentions had not been over and above friendly before. Now that the shadow of a woman had come between us, I felt that he would stop at little which would help him hang me. That my innocence might be shown was a matter which would concern him not at all, so long as he had hung me first. While I hesitated what to answer, for though I hoped, at the proper time, to take him by the neck and drop him from the window, my desire was, in the meantime, to treat him with the utmost courtesy. Someone came rushing into the room. It was Turner, the night porter. He seemed to have been in the wars. He held his handkerchief to his nose, and his uniform was disarranged as if he had just emerged from a scrimmage. There's Mr. Philip Lawrence just gone down the service stairs. We stared at him, not at first gathering what he meant. Our thoughts had been occupied with other themes, as, for instance, our love for one another. He, perceiving that we did not understand, went on, like a man in a rage. Yes, he just went down the service stairs, did Mr. Philip Lawrence, and a nice sort of a gentleman he is. I was standing in the doorway, finishing my pipe, when I saw him coming. Mr. Lawrence, I said, this is a very sad thing about your brother. I've only just come, so I've only just heard of it, which I had, and it had took me quite aback. He never said a word, he gave me no warning, but as soon as I opened my mouth, he came at me like a mad bull, hit me right on the nose, and sent me crashing down onto the back of my head in the road. It's a wonder he didn't knock me senseless. I was so unprepared, and he hit me so hard. As soon as I could pick myself up, I saw him rushing down the street and tear around the corner as if he was running for his dinner. And well, he might run, for a nice sort of gentleman he seems to be. Hume and I looked at Turner, then at each other. Are you sure it was Mr. Philip Lawrence? 
Turner gazed at me resentfully. Am I sure? Do you think I'd say a thing like that of a gentleman if I wasn't sure that it was him? Not likely. Hume interposed. Do you wish us to understand that Mr. Philip Lawrence attacked you in the manner you describe without having, first of all, received provocation from you? I don't know what you call provocation. All I said to him, I've said to you. I don't know what provocation there was in saying that it was a sad thing about his brother. You did not say or do anything else? I didn't do anything at all. He did all the doing, and what I've said, I've told you. Turner, I know Mr. Philip Lawrence intimately. He is not a man to commit an unprovoked assault. Either you have mistaken someone else for him, or, consciously or unconsciously, you have kept back from us something which appeared to him to be a sufficient justification for what he did. In his surprise, Turner removed his handkerchief from his nose. The blood trickled onto his waistcoat. Well, that beats anything. I suppose my word's worth nothing. If you ask those who know me perhaps better than you do Mr. Philip Lawrence, they'll tell you I'm no liar. I say that he hit me like a coward, for nothing at all, and then took to his heels, and it was well for him he did. For if I do get within reach of him, I'll perhaps give him as good as he sent, though it'll be after I've given him warning first. I'll let you know, Dr. Hume, that though I am a porter, I'm not going to let a gentleman knock me about as it suits him, even though he is a friend of yours, and I don't think any the better of you for taking his part. Going up to Turner, I clapped him on the shoulder. That's right. That's how I like to hear a man speak out. Don't think that I doubt you in one little jot or tittle. Mr. Philip Lawrence hit you like a coward because he was a coward. He was afraid of you and had good reason for his fear, as Dr. Hume knows very well. You, you... Hume stopped, looking as if he were allowing he dare not to wait upon he would. Well, Hume, go on. Your friend did not give Turner an opportunity to punish him for his bad behavior. If you behave badly, I assure you that I shall avail myself of any chance which may offer to punish you. Pray finish the remark you were about to make. Hume said nothing. He did not even glance in my direction, but he looked at Turner and walked out of the room. He looks like killing someone himself, said Turner, when he was gone. I shouldn't be surprised. I wonder how much he would have given at that moment to have made sure of killing me for choice upon the gallows. End of chapter 15